Okay, so we are actually prefacing this episode. It's Dave and I, and um, we wanted to kind of go over the history of this place and then some of the visual aids that we were able to find online because they're very important to understanding this story so you have a better idea, a visual aid of what we are actually talking about. Um, It... There is so much history to the Fantasy Nightclub and even the DeFrasia family owning that group of buildings there. So the Fantasy Nightclub, actually, the three buildings are the Fantasy Nightclub, the Chamber, the Symposium, and then there's a Fantasy Theater as part of one of the same buildings. Right. And... That theater was actually first opened in 1918 called the Homestead Theater. So this place is just as, you know, well over a century year old, a hundred years old now. Uh, They, it was supposedly called the last picture show in 76 and 77 before they called it the fantasy theater. So, that was something that we didn't touch upon in the actual episode. Well, it's funny, Brian, because like too, when you, when when we were doing the episode and you get into some of these stories, even some of the ones that I had heard before and that we had talked about before. um, It's funny because you start to realize the scope of the history of it and that you don't even, it was like a different world when some of this stuff was going on. And like, as, as we think about, you know, when you, when we're talking about, oh, the people were lined up around the block and they were, it was freezing and they were waiting to get in and the band comes in and plays, you know, whatever. It's like, you have to understand that this is a completely different world. Uh, The prices were different. The way people went about this, the way people took in art was completely different. It was just different times, totally. And so I don't think you can, you can just dance around that when you're, when you go into this, hearing these stories about this club, you have to take yourself to a completely different place in time to understand. You do. And we're going to give a couple of examples of that right now, before we even start the episode, I don't want to spoil every band that's come through there uh, and every band that we talk about. But let me just say this. Um, There are going to be so many acts that you probably like if I heard, if somebody came up to me and said, no, I saw this band at the fantasy that can only hold God only knows maybe 500 people. And I saw them for five bucks. You're going to, you'd be, you'd say bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the prices that you paid to see these bands, these acts, most of which are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right now, um, you couldn't even, the service fee alone, I'm not joking, the service fee to buy one ticket to see these acts now, who most of them do stadium tours if they're not already passed away, would be 10 times the price of what you paid for the ticket to go see them. Yeah. Um, so just let me give a few examples. Uh, I don't have the price on this, but we're going to have the Cleveland debut. I have the poster of the Cleveland debut for a band called Nine Inch Nails at the Fantasy yep. Nightclub. 
Yeah. Okay. The doors opened. It was December 29th. Doors open 830. So I don't have the price on that show, but just to see Cleveland debut of Nine Inch Nails, well, which and, you and, know and was, was probably this. their real debut. Yeah. Well, well, here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. And the timing of this is crazy because this weekend at the Rock Hall is literally Nine Inch Nails weekend. And they've been inducted and they're they're coming into town and they're having a whole weekend about Nine Inch Nails. And now we're talking about and talking with the club owner who gave them their first show. I know. Now, now, and, and, and this is what I'm trying to say. So when you when you think about these things, we're talking to you, we're like, well, so what? They own a club. Dude, they're giving the first opportunities to bands who are now household names. I know. Name a couple It's almost others. unheard name of a, now. Yeah, it's name a couple unheard. others. Okay. I have the original poster. Tuesday, October 24th. We, we have a picture of this. It'll be up on the Instagram page at the Fantasy Nightclub. Now, this is 1989. Tickets are $6.50. For Soundgarden. Oh my God. With special guests, Prison Shake and Primus. <laughs> Primus, <laughs> Primus as an opener. <laughs> so you saw Primus as the opener, who only yeah. like probably five or six years later is not only have like four, five, six huge albums behind them, but they're doing like yeah. the intro song for South Park. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're and oh by the way, and we're just forgetting about Soundgarden. I know. Like one of the one of the quintessential alternative bands, the the game changers, one of the like top ten game changing alternative bands there is. And so they're just popping up in eighty nine, Primus opening, some other band that I've never even heard of, but I'm sure they were awesome too. Um yeah. and six dollars. Six dollars and fifty cents. Six dollars. And I just want to make this point too, and this is what's so cool. So that building was going to be there. It was built in 1918 before rock and roll ever happened. That building could have been anything. But because that family came along and decided to buy it, it turned into this magical place where all of these unbelievable events happen and all people have these amazing memories of the pirate ship and just the shows and the people and the events. And And it's Uh like, we're just so lucky that people come along and decide to turn these walls into something great. And to to kind of go along on, on that point, I do have two pictures of we we know that that the pirate ship eventually got cut in half. It was put together at one point. Michelle's going to go over that. But I have both halves. I have a picture of both halves that'll be up on the Instagram page. I have a picture of the original sign fantasy nightclub. I have a picture of the inside of the theater. I'm going to have a picture of when the paranormal investigators went in there in 2009. They took a picture inside the theater. Yep. We have a picture. I have the actual, the actual advertisement. And I hope I can get the date off of here of Michael J. Fox in light of day coming to fantasy theater with yes. Joan Jett. Yes. And a picture of them all together. Um, that will be up on the, the, uh, Instagram. And I have two other interesting flyers. These were, it actually says Belkin in the corner. So it was one of these, it's called alternative agenda. And it looks like it came out of the Cleveland scene, the way they used to do the advertisements. So at the top you have who was playing at the Agora. 
And this is, I do not know what year, because it doesn't say, but at the Agora at the time, on that Friday was the Violent Femmes, who I think most people are going to know. The Fix played that weekend. And then at the Fantasy, at the Fantasy Theater on March 8th, with the slamming waitresses at 8 p.m., is Jane's Addiction. <laughs> so, who I'm going saw... to see in Boston very soon, and I paid hundreds of dollars for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets, $8 in advance, $10 day of show, is what it says right on here. And then it, on the bottom, it, it says who's playing at the uh, at Peabody's Down Under, which it, at that time was in the flats. Because uh, they, move, they move from the flats to... I don't even know if Peabody still exists, but it, it might have become part of like it, Cleveland State Rats House. It moved up to the east side over there for, for a little bit, and I don't know if it's still there, but you and I, we're old enough to remember the heyday down in the flats. That's where oh, we yeah. saw all the bands. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a Jeff, Jeff Haley was playing there. Oh, Jeff Healy. Healy, that's See, it. Yes, the Jeff I Healy. Don't know they they got super popular in like the late eighties and early nineties, dude. Um, and so at that time, they were probably playing. They, that was probably actually a huge show. Oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, you had to pay more to go see him than Jane's Addiction. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, think about that. He, he yeah, was well, he was a much bigger star to get in. He was yeah. a much bigger star. And I do have to say this because you said it earlier, dude. I did just get tickets to see Jane's Addiction in Boston. And and you're correct. The fees on those tickets would have been a hundred times what the, the ticket was to Jane's Addiction in, in 1989 or whatever that year was that you say there. Um, so it's just so crazy when you think about it. the fees. That's just the fee to, to for the to buy the ticket. You didn't even buy the ticket, just the fee on the ticket. Just the fees. Just, just to be on the I, I'm not joking. I paid more. And, and this is how stupid everything is now. And, and, and people who used to go see shows and people who see shows now, I know the younger people are probably rolling their eyes at this. But the fact that I have to get my phone out, download an app to go see my daughter's freaking high school soccer game. They don't do physical <laughs> tickets. I had to download an app. I had to get. Then the guy took 20 minutes trying to scan my damn phone. I was blowing it up. I'm shrinking it. I'm putting it back. It took, it was $20 to take me and my son to go see my daughter's soccer game. Dude, it's insane. And there was a service fee. I paid, <laughs> I paid $4.50 in service fees just to see the fucking game. It well, you know so what? Stupid. You know what, though? They, oh it's, actually, it's actually kind of them to call it a service fee because you know, when you make you want to make me really mad, charge me that service fee and refer to it as a convenience fee. <laughs> it, it, it makes me want to kill, kill, kill. No convenience at, it, at it all. You all the work. You've yeah, got to yeah, work. yeah. Convenient for you to go to the bank and cash the check. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to put in all your credit card information. They can't even swipe yeah. it for you. Yeah, they can do nothing for you. For you, you. Do, <laughs> you do everything for us. And on top of it, after we've pulled your pants down and completely <laughs> fucked you, 
<laughs> no, we no, want that you would to be turn like, around and thank us for it. With no, this, dude, it's, how it would be like it was. It would be you. like when you when you check out your own groceries at Walmart. At the end, they add five dollars onto the bill because you checked out your own groceries. <laughs> You'd be like, you fucking dicks. Oh. <laughs> oh but, so, so quickly, I do want to say this, though, before we get too far, because this episode is going to be coming up. And I just want to say this. So so Michelle, our guest today, is also a really dear friend of mine. And we go back a long way. And like yeah. you'll hear in the show, she she really gave me my first breaks in Cleveland, just like a lot of other artists. And I just want to say, Michelle is not the kind of person who likes to be in the spotlight. She's not, she hates interviews. She hates this kind of stuff. It was really kind of her to sit down and talk to us today because it's really not her thing. Um, and just understand that when you're, when you're dealing with artistic people and they don't really love to be in the spotlight, that kind of stuff, the conversations don't always go completely smoothly, you know? And sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to nudge people a little bit to try well, to get a little more out of them. And she, she's a really humble person and just expect yeah. that as we get into this episode and just understand that this isn't her thing. <laughs> well, what we're, what we're going for here and as you're listening, anyone who's listening, just know that like we appreciate it and you're part of this community and we want to hear from you truly. Like we want to listen to you. We want constructive criticism about what we're doing. A lot about, a lot about what we're doing is actually guerrilla style. I have to do zoom calls. I have to find these people that are interesting in this area and they're re they really are interesting and we are doing everything we can to make this show better. Actually, we just care about the product. And we care about mm -hmm. the people on here. That's, that's well, the honest thing. You, you start to realize, you start to realize that not the most interesting people aren't always the loudest. Yeah. And, and sometimes the people who have the best stories are the ones that never like to tell them. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what we want to do on this podcast is give a voice to people who aren't necessarily out there just broadcasting for themselves. We're going to find these interesting people and we're going to find out what their stories are. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. We don't want to be the podcast that always puts out the, the, the people that are on everybody's podcast. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? We want to find those, those uh, lost stories. Yeah, because this stuff really does need to be documented. You know, we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here for a reason. And there is a lot of history that came through Cleveland. And there's a lot of people out there that are still part of that, that remember that, that have had nowhere to go to talk about it. You know, only it's like what we talked about in Ted's episode, like you can only take so much from New York and L.A. Like that's not where everything went down. That's not where most people are born. Like they're mm -hmm. born here. They're raised here. They live here. Their art came from here. Their ideas came from here. Their morals came from here. And uh, we're well, sitting and I'll, here. I'll say this. I'll say this. When people talk about the Cleveland music scene, they always talk about it with great regard. They always consider that, you know, Cleveland, we, it's a Cleveland music scene, man. It's a great music scene. But understand that if you're around now and you're in that scene and you feel like the Cleveland music scene is great, this is why we're standing on the shoulders of giants. The reputation Cleveland has comes from this. Yeah. Uh, we did not have this reputation before this. This is where it comes from. So it's important that we remember the links that we have of where, how we got where we are today. Yeah. And, and that when you're driving on 90 and you're stuck in traffic, you might be stuck in traffic right 
next to the guy who used to manage nine inch nails and you don't even know it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or, or the guy that's managing the next nine inch nails right now. Yeah. And <laughs> we know? also wanted to put this out. So local artists now have a way of saying my music's freaking great and you've never had a chance to hear it. You don't know where to find me on Spotify. You don't even know I exist because the radio keeps playing uh, the Taylor Swift song that's got 30 different people who helped write it and there's no real meaning behind it besides a catchy tune like you know there's real art out here on these streets and uh we love to find it so when people tell us about people we look into it we find their facebook pages we're listening to the music and uh, i can just say this on upcoming episodes we have all kinds of extremely interesting people and i'm not just saying that because it's my podcast uh, <laughs> these people have some <laughs> real stories to tell yes and uh with michelle you're going to hear one of them and we're really proud of this episode um so go ahead and enjoy it uh, but we wanted to talk about those ticket prices and say hey check out the instagram page uh because they're uh, even if you don't follow, end up following the show, go to the, it's public, go to the, go to the page and just look at the pictures. Cause just seeing the tickets, the posters, how much this stuff uh, costs to get into in these different bands is, is really interesting. And if you're listening and you think, you know, of somebody from Cleveland who has a great story to tell, and we don't know about it, reach out to us and let us know. And maybe we can have that person on as well. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. We're all trying to, create friends of the show. So after they're on here, we are continuing relationships with them. Uh, We're going to have our old guests back on uh, and have them talk about what they're doing. Like not at extreme length, but even have like them talk for five minutes and say, Hey, this is what we've got coming up. So yeah, we, once you're a friend of the show, you're a friend for life as far as we're concerned. Absolutely. So enjoy. All right, everybody. We'll, we'll see you at the next Well, actually, I'll see you next uh, episode, but enjoy this upcoming episode for sure. See you, Cleveland. Yeah! Welcome back to it's Cleveland Schwill. We are. Hold on. This meeting is being recorded by the host. Okay, so got it. Okay, got it. Right. We are on. <laughs> you know, we're, there, okay. There's our guest. That's our guest, Michelle DeFrasia. I'm sorry, Michelle K. DeFrasia. I'm going to get it right. Michelle K. DeFrasia. And Michelle owned the fantasy uh, for yeah, years. My family, not me. Her, her family owned the fantasy for years. She was part of it. And yes. the fantasy nightclub is really close to the Lakewood Cleveland border off Detroit Road, uh, 117th area. And tons and tons of different major acts have played through there over the years. We have a list of them that Dave's going to go over a couple. We're going to try to get a few stories about things that have happened at the fantasy over the years. We know that. We've had 
paranormal investigators go in there over the years. We know that there was a fight, a fire there a few years ago. So this place has got tons of history. I know the building itself, according to uh, Wikipedia, was built in 1918 as a movie theater. Um, and then your family purchased it around 1965, Michelle, is what it says here. But we can go over that later. Uh, before we get started with all that, Michelle, go ahead. Uh, we all are going to talk about what we're drinking before we go into the actual interview here. And I, I guess I'll start. I have a Great Lakes Hazecraft IPA, uh, which is a little different. I think I've only had it one other time. I'm cracking it open right now. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and indulge. Go ahead, Dave. What, what are you drinking for today's show? Well, I haven't already cracked open and Michelle will appreciate this because her and I have enjoyed many of these together, but a line in Kugel's summer shandy. <laughs> Not anymore, Dave. You don't do oh. that anymore? You well, don't drink I, those no, anymore? I don't, I don't drink beer, I don't drink wine, but I um I, I do drink the um white claws. Oh, oh every, everybody everybody has gone to the seltzers. That's crazy. Okay, now you're making me feel old. You've gone right to the young people drink. Michelle, what, what flavors are you going with these days lemon. in the seltzers? I like lemon, period. Oh. Okay. But then I'll, I'll take a, you know, I don't know, one of those fruity ones, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so what else? They so, all so they- Michelle, <laughs> Michelle what, what are you drinking tonight? Are you, do you have a, a seltzer of some kind? I've got a lemon one. Okay, cool. A lemon, Good, a lemon what's, white claw. What, what's your, oh, it's a white claw. Nice. That's a very Michelle drink to me. Why, Dave? Because <laughs> it's because it's right. It gets right down to the nitty gritty. It gets right down to the nitty gritty. Low low calories, high alcohol. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not high alcohol. Well, anyway, at least so what, at least average what, alcohol. What else? What do you want to know? <laughs> What do you want to know, okay. Brian? Start her off. Hey, you know what? We're going to cut right into it, and we're going to get right into it then, Michelle. I'll tell you exactly what we want to know. So That's driving me crazy. I don't like doing interviews. So. Oh, good, because this isn't an interview then. Yeah. This is just a couple people talking, and it just happens to be being recorded. That's all. Um, so, did Michelle, did your father purchased it in 1965 and, and turned it into a Piccadilly Square restaurant. Okay, so 19 I think I don't I'm not quite sure the year that he bought it but it was, must have been 65. It was not turned into a Piccadilly Square restaurant. He remodeled the whole block. And the the fantasy was was called Piccadilly Square. The they, the grand opening was 1968 and he had a Canadian shipbuilder build the um, half scale of the HMS Bounty in there. And then um, we we had uh, Captain's Mary people on the ship because it was a legitimate ship. Yeah. And so, I don't know. That's how that went. The fantasy and, and, boat is and, seaworthy. And huh? so, <laughs> was it seaworthy, Dave? Was it seaworthy? Bottom on it, it would be seaworthy. It was better than the one tall ships. I mean, that ship was that. Well, it still is there, and the new, the new owners now 
are going to keep the ship in there, but they're going to move it closer to the front of the building because they're going to be remodeling it and uh, opening up the windows in front, to my knowledge, okay? So maybe yeah. they can their plans. Who knows? I don't know. But well, honestly, our, honestly, we... It's been really cool. Yeah. We we talk about it as, as if everybody in Cleveland knows it and has seen it because it's so iconic. But, like, honestly, if you've never, if you're listening and you've never seen it before, it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see. You walk into this building, <laughs> up a stairway, <laughs> and one... Yes. And once you get to the top of this stairway, there is a gigantic ship in the middle of this room. And it's amazing. It is. Now, there's been many marriages on that with, with captains in full uh, outfits. Red carpet, name it. We got it. I that's never so cool. Because dad had us working. And so I wasn't allowed to date or anything, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, and and just so we get a, a picture here, half of the ship was was it always used for the DJ booth or was no. it? Some, okay, I know. And ship was built in the middle of the room. You you got that? Yeah. Okay. Then it was cut in half by seven iron workers from my dad and moved over. Wow. Oh. So part of the ship was on one end, and the other part was on the other end. So, um, so. So the one end, you know, would be the sound booth for the for the bands. You know, the, the sound guy would set up his all his shit. Yeah, so, I remember that. You know, because we always had that. We always had our in in house, um, you know, sound stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so in the back part used to be well, in you know, seventy five, we had DJs uh, going up there. We had the the vinyl, um, oh God, the things that would hold the, the record players up on chains so that there would be no vibration so that they could spin. I don't oh, know. oh okay. that's so cool. Anyways, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and by, by, by the way, the sound system at the Fantasy is like legendarily good. Ask ask any any musician anybody that does music around will tell you that sound system is the oh, best Dale. in the business. Dale Dale did it all. So yes, I remember Dale. Rest in peace, Dale. I yeah. do remember Dale. Um, you do? Yes, I I was in a band a long time ago, Michelle. You probably don't even remember, but I played my first show at the Fantasy in like ninety eight. And it would it was with a band called Zachary Walker Band. I know we, Zachary Walker Band. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Isn't that funny? She I remembers them all. Talking about. Anyway, so whatever. Yeah, well, well, we played on, at Michelle. the symposium a lot too. So Michelle, that's actually I'm glad that this came up because we we had a a, a guest on not long ago named Ted Sikora, who you know. I know. And. And you came up, he actually brought you up and was talking about how you sort of gave him his first shot in Cleveland by letting him rent out the the theater portion of the fantasy for like that, that play that he was putting on. And he was Welcome talking to about Vaudeville, how it was called. Welcome yeah. to Vaudeville. And he, yeah. and he was saying, nothing he was like saying. Vaudeville. Yeah, nothing yeah. like Vaudeville. That's it. 
but he was saying some really nice things about you. And he was saying that there's no way that he would have been able to pull that off without your kindness of renting him that building for such a great price. And I told him that you are actually responsible for a lot of starts of a lot of local people in Cleveland, probably more than anyone even realizes. And you. Yeah, me too. I, I even said that. I said she gave me my first rehearsal space free free of charge for a long time. And and did hey, just to clear this up, did Nine Inch Nails have a rehearsal space in the fantasy complex as well? I know that you know that, Dave, but yes, they did. But where was it where was it located? Where was it located? Because I never knew exactly where it was at. Dave, you kind of know this, but anyway, so um no, the upstairs was, that's where John and Trent met. And I met Trent too. And then it all kind of converged. Then Skinny Puppy happened in the theater. Then I told Trent, I said, you should talk to these people because I think they're going to want you to go on tour with them. And then I called John. I said, well, I just told them. So you might want to, you know, pay attention to that one. And then, um, I don't know, it all, I don't know. It just all evolved. It's so yeah. crazy. It's so crazy. Well, and I also mentioned, Michelle, just while we're on the topic, that pretty much everything that I've ever done in my career sort of stems from you as well, because so much of that comes from John Mom, And me knowing John Mom comes from you holding up the phone that night that I played at the Fantasy. Play Donovan. I played Don. There you go. I played Donovan Atlantis. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you still remember that. It was so good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's it. And you know what? That's what makes you so great, Michelle. It's like you're so into the – it means so much to you. You love the art just as much as the artists do, and that's yeah, so important. But, um, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on, but I do appreciate music, and I do – I don't know. I dream about my art, though, you know, the colors and everything. So I don't know. Yeah, so you if get it. You're an artist it. yourself. Well, you know what, speaking of that, I actually think that's a good segue into talking about like when you walk into the fantasy, one of the first things I always remembered, believe it or not, was that giant mural of the Beatles. And I never knew where that came from. And then Dave goes, oh, no, Michelle painted that. I go, get out of here. No, she didn't. And he goes, oh, no, she painted that. She paints all this stuff. Do you want to talk about some of your paintings? that That was the second painting I did of the Beatles mural. So the first one I did, see, now you guys got me talking. But anyway, so the first one I did, um, uh, I did, I I don't know, it was just awesome, I thought. And, um, but the thing was, I had to ask my dad if it was okay, since I was painting that, you know, if it's okay to go on tour with Nine Inch Nails, because they're going on tour with Jesus and Mary Jane. Yeah. um, February, so it was my mom's birthday and everything. So, but he gave me permission to do that. But, <laughs> but then, but then that painting um, eventually got—I don't know—we had a ceremony where we we took a picture of a video, and then these other people took redid my painting, but um, they didn't do it as well as I wanted it done. So I I redid it. So. Anyways. Nice. Well, I'm glad you did. I don't know. And, and all those all those individual heads too, when you were walking into like the theater side, you had like the individual I remember for some reason I remember the a Paul McCartney one. 
no, of like no. Dave, that was when we were selling the you know, we thought we were selling the place that but it was at that sale. So somebody bought it all up and they put it in um, Murray Hill in the backyard of their of their backyard. They took all so my paintings. Somebody saved it. Building. Oh, that's so cool. I'm glad somebody saved that. Oh, it was if you didn't see it, then I sent it to you. So whatever. Can you see me? Because I can't I could see you, but I just have a, like a blank. Oops. Well, no, we can't. We can't see you because you don't have video on, of course. Yeah, yeah your camera's <laughs> not on. Nobody can see us anyway, Michelle. It doesn't matter. We're just doing audio anyway. But... Yeah, they'll just hear our voices okay. anyway. It's no big deal. You know, get my, you know, take a shower, do my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You quaffed and everything. I know I did too, and what it else? doesn't mean anything. Dad, you know, you guys are asking about my dad and everything. He was an iron worker. Um, bought the place in '65, I think it was. Uh, but we had the Camelot restaurant in uh, Lakewood as well. So, anyway, so he bought it and he re- he remodeled the whole place. And I don't know. Well, it, just, it came out great. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know how. So. I don't know how it worked out though. Where, where, where the, was the symposium always separate and the chamber always separate, or did those open at separate times? How did that work? So it all has to do with the uh, liquor licenses. So the chamber, oh. the fantasy, and the fantasy theater are all separate. And yeah. then symposium has got his own their own uh, liquor license. But anyway, so that has nothing to do with anything anymore because we've already sold all the licenses. So. To Western yeah. Studio, Studio West. Okay. Anyway. But, but Michelle, how did that originally get split up like that? Like, was it all just one complex and then you guys decided, okay, we're going to make, we're going to get a separate liquor license for this building and open it? No, because you have a whole block and then you, you don't have entrances, entrances uh, to the building next to you. So the symposium did not have an entrance to the fantasy. So that had to be a separate liquor license. Ah, right. Paper are all connected, and the theater, but the theater would be an add-on because of the um. If you have another um, bar or something, you know, a portable bar, as they say. So yeah. whatever. I don't okay. Ever. That's it interesting. So all that right. was extra, extra expense to add on to that liquor license. But the symposium license was just that. Okay, so it's just all a separate thing. And because the chamber was a separate building, that had to be a separate liquor license. And you guys, I guess that showed that that didn't even open until ninety six. Was was with our building, the fantasy. That okay. that club is on our liquor license because we had an entrance going downstairs from the um, I don't know I'll use my terminology but I'm not going to because nobody knows what I'm talking about so anyways there's a way to access the chamber downstairs so anyway so whatever and the that was, that's a that's a very cool stairway by the way I've been down it I don't I don't need to go into all that okay no, that, that's okay <clears throat> now the, the only 
the the real big thing that they talk about from the fantasy theater in uh, 1987, there was a film premiere of a movie called Light of Day, and it starred Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett. Right. Um, and it says that they performed in the theater. Was that like a full concert? How did that come about? A full, total full concert. And um, they got, you're asking stuff from years ago, but anyways, so they got a hold of us and we allowed <laughs> and, um, uh, Michael J. Fox well, there's a, there was, I think there was a, a duplicate of Michael J. Fox, you know, because, because people were like, you know, trying to get to Michael J. Fox. So, you know, the doppelganger, whatever you call it. But yeah. anyways, bottom line is, um, yeah. So that happened. And um, then Michael J. Fox is upstairs. And then Megan John just turned 16, my little brother and sister. And he was in the back banquet room, which they would know. And uh, mm-hmm. it was their 16th birthday, and I brought him back there. And then Michael J. Fox came in the kitchen and just grabbed them both and hugged them and said, you know, I don't know. But anyway, so he was kind of high. But <laughs> was he was was Michael J. Fox like really cool in person? He was just like a cool guy. Oh, well, he's totally cool because because in the back um, by the stage, you know, where you load an area by the stage. He picked me up and thought I was Joan Jett. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, Michael, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm not Joan Jett. Said, oh, oh. <laughs> so that, that happened. But I, I was like, whatever, dude. What a great way to meet Michael J. Fox. But the most important thing was, Megan, John, I've got a picture of that. That's so cool. I've got a um, yeah, really cool picture of that. Because he was very nervous. Well, isn't that the kind of stuff that only club owners get to experience? Like, it's cool. It's just a cool field to be in because it's not. It's not normal. I really don't know, Dave. This is just life. Well, you've been abnormal your whole life, right? So it's, it just seems normal to you. But to most people, they'd be like, just just meeting Michael J. Fox like that isn't a normal thing. Yeah, well, whatever. Um. <laughs> I met Holly. I met everybody. I never. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, you've met so many people. It's just another Saturday to you, probably. Let's put it like that. It's like, oh, you've met so many people. I, no, I'm not. I'm not bragging. I'm not doing anything like that. No, we know you're not bragging. You don't. You don't need to. It's it's funny because you're so desensitized to it compared to what other people would be. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who get very nervous around big celebrities. Um, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, like it says that you that the fantasy helped launch these acts. And we kind of brushed upon this a little bit before we started recording. But I want to kind of hit it again. And, and I know you had said that Devo did not ever perform at the fantasy though it is on the wikipedia page um isn't it what's that i think that's kind of weird that they put it on there well you know what that's i've always heard that this stuff is is like this i think sometimes sometimes people assume it and then it just becomes like truth Mm mm-hmm because they're assuming it because they're from akron so they just figure that they probably yeah 
Um, but it does say Annie DeChant, and I know she played there. Yeah, um, the friend of mine. So, anyways, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Exotic Birds, Filter, who I think was from the Cleveland area. I think they were from River. Uh, are you kidding me? Okay, hold on. Stupid. Uh, okay, okay. Scratch that. Rich Patrick. <laughs> yes. He was. I mean, I kicked him out. I didn't kick him out of the band. He was just being a dick. But anyway, so he was with the original band. Um, yeah. So, you know, whatever. Well, but, Rich Patrick uh, was Filter, right? He was with uh, the act. It's a, um, I think it was AKT. I think it was. But anyways, that was his band back in the early days. Anyway, so, but Rich was uh, the, the guitar player for Nine Inch Nails. And... Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking. I, I don't know what you want me to say. And then he and then he and then he wound up doing filter on his own as a solo thing, right? Okay. Oh, he's coming back. So whatever. I'm not going to say anything about that. So anyway, go ahead. Well, no, Michelle. When you say you don't want to, you don't know what I want you to say. I only want you to say one. What you're comfortable saying, and two, the truth. Yeah. That's it. That's all I want. Yeah. I don't want anything else. I don't want any elaborations or whatever. If you feel like telling a story about one of these acts or something that happened at a show or something, I'd love to hear. It's really cool, and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's sorry, all is that, that needs said. or her PR consult? <laughs> that is so funny. I'll tell you this story. He did come to my mom and dad's house um, for... Maggie and John's birthday, you know, Maggie and John are the twins. Dave, you know. Anyway, yes. so came in and he sang um <laughs> that song from uh, uh the Kennedy thing. Um shit. I'm not gonna sing it right now, but anyway, so never so mind. He, no, it's cool, man. That like he so he was around a lot. You actually knew him. So let me ask you about um let me ask you about Kevin McMahon. Because Kevin McMahon is one of my all-time favorite Cleveland performers, and obviously people would know him from like the band Prick. But I I listened to all of the recordings from his band Lucky Pierre, and to me that's like the greatest Cleveland band that's ever been. So did you have a lot of experience with Kevin? Did you know Kevin really well? Yes, I did, and you know that, Dave. But yeah, um, yes, I did, and Kevin's like fucking awesome. And it's just like a typical uh, musician that is so intelligent and so smart that they can't deal with their smartness. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, no, I get it. Kevin could have a chance to do something. But I no, I, I don't want to say that. Okay, so I'm not. <laughs> um. Anyway, so no, you're listen, listen. No. You're right, and you and I both know Kevin will never hear this. <laughs> but he's I'm, an. I'm not. I'm not dissing him. I'm not doing no. that. It's a matter of an artist. And do you know how many people that I've met uh, through the Fantasy Nightclub that are really good musicians that could make it really big, and then they didn't because they didn't they didn't want to. I guess. Yeah. No, I don't know what their problem was. Well, well that's. You know I'm the same way. <laughs> well, that that's that's part of. That's part of what I want to to sort of bring out in this podcast, Michelle, is like there's so many people floating around Cleveland that are so unbelievably 
artistic and cool and creative and successful. And the, you would just never know it unless someone told the story. And that's why bringing people like you on is so cool because you were there. You're a part of all of it. You're an artist yourself. And it's just like, these are, these are stories and things that shouldn't be forgotten about. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is just tell the story so that they're documented. And when people wonder about these kind of things, then that, then it's out there to hear. I agree, Dave. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. So, so that's why I like to ask about people like Kevin, because like I said, he's just sort of disappeared, but he's. And, and you know what? I'm not going to say anything about it, but because it's not my business because I anything. So. Anyway, well, well, listen, well, listen, we talked about John Malm earlier. He lives in Cleveland still. What a what an unbelievably cool manager. Well, like I said, you don't even have to talk about John Malm, but these are the kind of people that are just around and they've got these great stories to tell and no one realizes they're around. Exactly. I agree with you. You're right. You're right, Dave. There's like a lot of lot of information. Oops. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of which, I, when I was, I actually looked up the fantasy on YouTube just to see if people put up old videos and they did. There was a lot of old early eighties concerts that were put up there. Um, and all throughout the eighties and nineties, I saw a bunch of videos of a band called the Pagans that played there. Um, there, I think now God, I could tell you stories, but go ahead. No, I want to hear stories. No, I want to hear stories. Talk. What's that? I'd just rather you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we got to hear from you, Michelle. That's what I say. So you say the pagans, you could tell stories. Give us one. Give us one story. Okay. Did I say Iggy Pop? Yes, it oh, does. Iggy, Iggy Pop, yes. Okay, so just going to tell you a story that... um. I was in the kitchen. Dave, you know where the kitchen is. Yes. And uh, dad was standing behind Iggy. You don't know that because I don't even know if you were born then. But <laughs> but then on the opposite side was one of the Balkan people, uh, Stacy, that's a friend of mine. But anyway, so um, he was spitting in our sink that was our food sink. And my dad is Italian. I mean, he's a he was a hardcore Italian iron worker. So he doesn't take shit. He does not take shit from <laughs> I've heard that. Iggy Pop. So he took him and he was going to throw him down the steps. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cold out downstairs. You cannot do that. Just, just let him spit. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Michelle, that, that this is gold. Intense. That was an intense situation. Yes, it, I can imagine. Everything came out fine. <laughs> and, then, and, Iggy, and Iggy played his one show. One more story. Um, the first show that we did in the fantasy theater was the psychedelic first. Okay, so it was $5 advance, $6 day of show. Okay, give me a break. So it was sold out. And it was, I think it was back in 1982. But anyway, so my dad's like, well, they're, they're not, I don't even know what he was bitching about, but uh, no, no, they wanted another bottle of vodka. So, and 
if they didn't get their vodka, they wouldn't go on stage. I'm like, there's 1,200 people in here. So we need to give them a cheap bottle <laughs> of vodka. So I shoved it down my pants and, then, and just gave it to the band to make sure they went on stage. My and they God. did. Oh, my God. And that was the first show at the Fantasy? The first that concert? Was the first show at the Fantasy Theater. Oh, wow. And which, okay. which Jim O'Brien... Um, did start um, that place. Um, actually, it was, um, it, yeah, it was, you know, it says, well, it was our money, but whatever. Hey, tell me, tell me about the night that Jesus and Mary Chain played and, <laughs> and they were waiting outside. I was, the, is the way I heard the story was it was freezing outside. And, and it, they waited outside, lined up around the block for like hours. Is that true? Um, you know what? I don't know anymore, but I do know that the Jesus and Mary team went on stage and they did a 20 minute set and that, <laughs> that with their back turned to the audience. Yes. Like, what is that about? I don't know. And and that was there. Wait a minute. I think it was the same time, but don't quote me. Okay. I think it was the same time that people magazine was, they were doing a thing on Jane Scott <laughs> with the, the fantasy, I, I don't even know. But anyways, and I went on tour with them. They're, they're, they were the first band that I went on tour with, with Nine Inch Nails. So, yeah. so they they had their backs turned to the audience while they played. They played a 20-minute set. Did, did seriously people try pog, to kill them? Pog, what? Pog, pog, pog. Oh. Say okay. that again. What was that? They had all fog. I mean, they fogged. Oh, it was just like all fogged up? They did it with every show they did. Hmm. Well, what up? John told me a weird story that he said right before Jesus and Mary Chain went on the stage, the drummer said something like, I've broken my stick, so I've only got one stick. And that was and, exactly. And then, yeah. So, and, and Tom Freer did something. Then he, well, like, he, he ran and grabbed him sticks or something? Yeah. That was in the fantasy theater, right? Uh, yes, from what I understand, yeah. So, yeah. And of course, Tom Freer then became like a very great drummer, uh, like a, I'm not like just a percussionist for the orchestra, right? Um, Tom Freer is an awesome drummer. He does mm -hmm. awesome. You know that. You know that. Yeah. Well, that's why I say, and you know that too. That's why I'm telling you yeah. to mention it. And that band. Um, well, actually, you know, I just got in touch with um, um, Doug. Fuck, what's his? All right, forget it. Oh, Doug Beck. But he's buying one of my um, my fantasy prints. But anyways. He uh, his he does um, all kinds of re, re you know I don't know what you call it you know what, what you mean? mean well you remix people and all that crap oh like yeah, yeah. dude like like DJ remixes and stuff yeah. not DJ but anyways but he's worked with every stinking famous person on earth and I can't even believe it he's because he just he just uh, sold them. Oh, he just showed them what he could do, and then it's like, oh my god! 
So anyways, he wants one of my prints for the fantasy. You know, the yeah, one. That's, that's awesome. And you've been selling a lot of paintings and stuff lately of the paintings you've been doing. Like I've seen a lot of dog paintings. You painted a lot of pictures of my old dog, Tilly, for John. Yeah. But I need and, pictures because or request them because I don't have many people doing that. So if you could help me, that would be great. Yeah. But, um, well, I, I think it's so cool how you've jumped up and got back into painting a lot since you guys sold the club. Dreaming about it. Don't you have some kind of exhibit coming up, Michelle, or something where a couple of your paintings are going to be for sale? Yeah. Well, I have two. One's John Lennon and one is um, for the... Um, the Rocky River Arts uh, Wine Festival. But anyway, so it's tomorrow. Hold on, I'm looking at it. From five to eight tomorrow. Oh boy. And where 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 can people where do you you sell your painting you sell your paintings online though, don't you? Like do you just do it through Facebook mostly? I don't because I haven't done it yet. Well, I know you had been talking about it. Is that something you're looking to do soon? Yes, definitely. Oh, cool. I can't I can't wait. That's gonna be awesome. So we we can also have you back on later and you can talk about as you get stuff. That's that's the other cool thing about this show. We're gonna have our friends of the show moving forward. So anytime you have updates for us, we can do quick <laughs> updates on what you have going on. Hey, what's the background that you have? You've got what's like, that? You've got a ton of stuff behind you. I do have tons of stuff behind me. It's all wow. stuff I've just collected wow. over the years. My God. <laughs> I, the, all right. You. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to do a, a a show about my stuff in this room sometime. Oh yeah. <laughs> now now let me ask about another band that came through the fantasy just to see what it was like or if you met them. Uh, it says that the Ramones played there at the fantasy. Do you remember what year that might've been? And if you got a chance to meet them? I don't remember the year, but I remember where I was standing and where Joey Ramone was standing. And I think it was Joey, but anyways, by the stage to the left of the stage. And that's all I remember, you know, but you were there and they played there. So this is just, I mean, I mean, honestly, of of all the places in Cleveland where you just break down, I mean, besides like the stadiums and the places where all the big bands play, like the fantasy got all the great bands coming up through that era. Oh, they got a lot. Yeah. Well, Dave, look at the shirt and see if there's anyone there that we didn't mention. Yeah, let me see. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, take a look at the shirt. And uh, uh, while we're while you're looking at the shirt about the bands. Michelle, one of the other big things that always came up about the fantasy, and you can disclose what you want to about this, but I can't remember if it was A&E or the History Channel or something. They came in there and quoted that it was one of the most haunted places they've ever been in. Can you attest to that or or have any stories behind that? I can. But, um, well, I'm not going to say unfortunately, but my sister Maggie can... um, she just, uh, I don't know, the spirits come to her, you know, whatever. But anyway, so, yes, the place is haunted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of things that went on in there, but I haven't experienced anything. But um, my sister and my brother have, where they almost fainted and um, 
it's just been weird. So I don't know how you want me to tell you what went on without sounding like I'm a nutcase. No, no, no. You're not going to sound like a nutcase because they obviously did a whole show about it saying that stuff. So if there is one one story you want to share about that, it'd probably be pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. So somebody's got to just, you know, deal with that one. Yeah, well, I can I can tell you that I I was up there one night rehearsing. You bet. You might not even remember this before you actually gave me a room in the basement to rehearse in. I used to rehearse sometimes up in the actual nightclub, uh, and I'd be in there myself. And I, you probably remember sometimes you would lock me in there, and then you'd come back and unlock me out because <laughs> I didn't have a key. Um, and one night, Michelle, you had locked me in there. And I was on the stage with the lights on and I could, you know, when the lights are on on the stage and then the lights are off in the club, it just looks black. You can't see anything. You can just see the stage only basically. And um, I was up there rehearsing and I got to see this light. Um, And it looked like, it looked like someone was standing in the back by like where the bathrooms are on the other side of the ship. Um, And it looked like they were smoking a cigarette. And like in the dark and you could see like this orange light sort of like moving around as if someone was holding a cigarette and talking and moving their hand around like this. And I started yelling and saying, Hey, who's back there? Who's supposed who's back there? No one's supposed to be back there. You know what I mean? She'd like come up and show yourself, you know? And forever I watched that little light move around back there and it finally, it just disappeared. And then like an hour later, you just showed up and unlocked the door and came up and, and I was like, Michelle, so who else is in here? Like someone's fucking around with me. You're like, Nope, I locked you in here. It's just been you the whole time. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's crazy. And at that time I never even knew anything about the place like being haunted supposedly. So that is one thing that did happen to me. I will say. <laughs> Is following you. Yeah, it was just kind of moving all around. And I was just like, and I'd look, I'd say, hey, what are you doing? And no one would ever answer me. And then finally, it just disappeared. And I was like, please, somebody come get me. I'm terrified right now. <laughs> Michelle, did they, do you have any idea what, what, anyway, who, who any of these spirits could possibly be? Has anybody tried to figure that out? No. But okay. I think the spirits are um, from the, early 1900s or something. Oh. Maggie can see the spirits. She can see, um, I don't know. I mean, people like Midnight Syndicate. Those people are like, oh my God, she could see the spirits and all that. I don't know. It's just, Maggie's got that special thing. But anyway, so whatever. So that's what goes on with fantasy. Nothing. Well, well, quick, well, quickly. Well, with historic buildings, there's always going to be people thinking it's haunted. But like, so I've been going over this shirt, Michelle, while you were talking, and there were a couple of interesting names on here that I did want to bring up to you. So uh, one is a band that I actually have tickets to see very soon in Boston, and that band is called Jane's Addiction, and I didn't know they played there. Yeah, they did. Uh, that must have been fucking amazing. <laughs> And I, am, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know, but I can't see you. Just you have a little. No, that's because I that that's because I'm looking at the shirt now. You'll see me again in a minute. But go on. I don't know. 
So do you remember that show, the Jane's Addiction show? Were they playing with somebody else? Was it a standalone show? Do you remember? East Coast, no, the West Coast. And um, and Perry came in and uh, with his feathered outfit, with his elongated cigarette thing. And then we're smoking. <laughs> and that's about it. That's so cool. I, I, can, t- I can picture that. What was, was that? I love Jane's Addiction. Oh, God, yes. And they they are playing. I'm actually going to see them very soon. Uh, they're playing with, uh, let's see, who is it? It's Jane's Addiction and one other really good band. Now I can't say. Oh, Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, hey, so I see another band on here. Hey, Soundgarden. Soundgarden played there? Yes, they did. What? Hey, I've got pictures of them. That I that's incredible. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't end up on the on the Wikipedia. Damn. Yeah, because because my bed and everything that has to do with fantasy and all the bands, but whatever. Thompson Twins. Public yes, I saw. Oh, let's talk about Johnny Lydon. <laughs> yes, Thompson Twins. Crow- crowded House is on here, which is awesome. Obviously, Nine Inch Nails. Megadeth. Megadeth? Okay, okay, I got a story about that. But they, the people wanted to get in so bad that they crashed. Okay, they went in. Well, I, they were saying mega fucking death, mega fucking death. So they got it. <laughs> and then, I think it was of the people had the two by fours because they they stormed the stage. So then the guys took the two by fours and like, boom, you know. I don't. I don't even know. I just stayed behind them. <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> I I can't even tell you. What happened? What a huge act to have played the fantasy. Megadeth. Jesus. That's what I'm saying. These bands went on to play arenas. Gigantic arenas, you know. know. They play arenas now. I know. And I don't think when they play the arenas, anybody's screaming mega fucking death with two by four storming the stage. (laughs) I don't think you're going to get that experience. Fucking death. And then the security people they stormed the stage, so they had to take parts of the, you know, the parts of the um, I don't know, blockade, and then they used it to keep the people away. Jesus, yeah, that well, is just so. You think I, I I enjoyed it? I did not enjoy that. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some of the stories were more scary to live out than hear about. The repairs to your facility probably cost more than what you made on the tickets to that. Um, I I really don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You've lived, you've lived an absolutely interesting life, Michelle. It's so cool. What? I love these stories so much. I know. I don't think. Michelle, I don't think you realize just how interesting these stories are to people who didn't live them. Like they're extre- they're can extremely I interesting. About, can I give you one about stupid butthole surfer guy? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> okay, so they had a problem, and he came up. And Dave, you know exactly what I'm talking about in the kitchen, 
before you go into the beer room, but go down and stuff to the theater. Yeah. And, he's, and I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. And I thought, I thought to myself, God, his name is Butthole Surfer. His band is... So it's like I had to create something that would say something to him that he would understand, but whatever. But... <laughs> It's just a jerk. How, so, what was he doing? What was how is he how was he behaving? What was he doing? Um, you know what? I just remembered top of the steps, Dave, you know where it's at. Yeah. To go on the steps, and it's like the guy was a dick. <laughs> he was a butthole surfer. <laughs> and that's just the, that's what you put together was the in, <laughs> he has butthole in his band name and he's a fucking <laughs> asshole. That was like, that was, I thought to myself, oh my God, Michelle, that was so stupid. But anyway. you, you, you know what's weird, Michelle, is that what? like, so when we say these names and like you say, oh, Perry Farrell, and he comes walking in with like feathers on and this weird cigarette. And then you talk about Soundgarden and we talk about Megadeth. When you had these small interactions with these people or even big interactions with these people, it was always when they were sort of like on their way up really before they became giant stars. And I think that's kind of a, it's a unique time to meet people like that. Hey, why do you have the shirt saying Dave? It, it actually says, it says Dave's not here, man. <laughs> that's for when, that's for when people come looking for me. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> But but it, don't, do you agree with that? I mean, do you think it's a strange time to meet people like that when it's like you know they're they're on their way up, they're a little bit famous, they're quasi famous, but not like mega stars yet. I really don't know, Dave. I, I, I'm Scott. I don't know. Um, you just you just met him when you met him. I, I've met him. I met Bowie. When okay, I'm not going to go into that one. Um, I met I've met. Um, I met a lot of people, but yeah. I don't. I don't know how to equate that. Well, it's just it just goes to show that the fantasy was such a crossroads for artists, and it was in the right place at the right time. So the artists just congregated there, and it's cool. Nine Snell started there. Manson, you know, I mean, everybody recorded there. Well, not recorded, but they had their rehearsals there at least. I mean, nine, especially, you know, they did upstairs in the theater and then the chamber area, you know, all that. But yeah. Anyway, did, so did Manson play in the chamber area ever? Did Marilyn Manson play the chamber before? No, they never played there. Okay. And I don't really recorded there. I mean, not recorded, but rehearsed there. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just nine. But Manson. Um, they were upstairs in the fantasy. Okay. Well, I mean, they had to been. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I I don't want to say something that's false. So I don't know. I know that they were there. I don't know if they performed there. I know Marilyn Manson was there before for sure. But yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, because I heard stories. I remember someone. They signed them. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I remember someone saying they saw Marilyn Manson performing for some reason at the fantasy, and that he he had pulled his he had pulled his wiener out. 
I just remember that. I remember that story. <laughs> Hear, hearing that story as a kid. Dave, I, I, yeah. no, I, I would know that if that happened. But So you know, that must have not been true? No. That was just kids telling me that happened. Awesome, but it might have been at a show that it happened that I saw because but I'm not talking, so whatever. It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him to pull his junk out. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> That's fine, and you don't have to. But I think people already know that. You see me, Dave? I can't. You have no video on. Oops. She's we're probably giving to... you the finger right now, Dave. She's probably yeah, giving you. The... No, I can imagine. I can imagine. After that comment, yeah, and, and Michelle, you can't even say a little bit of what it was like when you met Bowie, like what it felt like, how he was as a person. You don't want to go into it at all. Are you kidding me? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was he just, was he cool? Was he like a regular dude? What was he like? Okay. So um, it's none of anybody's business. And um, it was right. No, never mind. No. Off, no, I'm not talking about it. Okay, fair enough. That's all you have to say. But it's cool know. that you met him. Yes, it was. Yeah, I had to. I had to put the full court press on the David Bowie stuff because that that's that's a that's one of the biggest names in in, in the business. Period. Oh heck yeah, man! But when I met him, there was issues that were going on. So what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to go. I mean, how many years ago was it? But I, I remember it to this day, but whatever. So anyways. Was it at least, was it around the time that they were doing the Afraid of Americans thing? Was it around that? Bowie tour. Yeah. So when like, when Nine Inch Nails and Bowie toured together, oh, it was around that, that time? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, at least I have an idea of when that was then. Because John's told me a lot about that time. Oh, it was really cool. I there you go. That, I believe I that. Yeah, and very, very few people would even be able to, to know that <laughs> personally. Yeah. I don't know. I would have been like, how, what was it like to make Labyrinth? That's the only question. I would <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about your finest work, Labyrinth. What would <laughs> um so anyway, I the last the only other thing Michelle I have on here, and I think it happened towards the end of uh like it's listed as happening in 2010, so about 12 years ago now. It says that there there was a, a major fire at the fantasy. Was this a real big fire? Was this something that destroyed a lot, or was it? it was this information overblown, or how was that? Well, um, it was something that, that happened in my sister's store, and then it was just—I um, think it was just like—I don't know exactly what happened, but I—but I, that's where it started, though, in your sister's I, store that she had there. Yeah. But um anyway, so um it just caught on fire and uh I was upstairs with another band 
think it was a few bands, but anyway, so it was uh, Valentine's Day. So it was a, I think it was a Tuesday. But anyway, so uh, they're loading in and Maggie and I were up there and I'm like, what the hell? Maggie's like, Mish- Mishy, you know, there's a problem, you know, there's smoke. So I ran up, but um, then I went down the steps to yell for my dad, you know, but um, luckily he got out. So it, it was a very tense situation. Um, it was just, it was just like, just, I don't even know. Anyway, so the chamber got um, burnt out. And then my sister's so- store, that store was burnt out. But then um, upstairs in the fantasy and all that, because we had all that, um, the um, smoke. So, mm-hmm. so we didn't hire anybody to do it because dad always taught us to just do it ourselves. So we just started cleaning everything. But anyway, so it was bad. It was bad. And I think dad might have had a little bit of a stroke. I don't know. But anyway. Oh, I've actually, when I was in construction, I used to have to work on uh, burnt buildings every now and then. And the smell is something you'll never forget when you go into like any room that's ever been burnt. It's a, it's a definitive smell and you, you're really like, it's overbearing sometimes. I don't know if you dealt with that, but. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I believe it. It's horrible. Okay. Yeah, it's good that it wasn't totaled out, though, man, because you can still go up to, like, some of those historic places. But I will be damned if this place will go under with this. So I worked my ass off to clean that place up. But it was a big block. (laughs) But anyway, so we reopened. Anyways. I'm so glad you did, Michelle. I Listen, I, I just want to tell you, man, like, I know you and I are buddies or whatever, and, like, but, like, I, I... I want to tell you that I'm I'm really proud to know you because like I think you are a really great person in the in the story uh and in the mystique of Cleveland and you were there for so many great things and and just like Ted said the other night when we were talking you I don't think you even realize how many starts you've given artists and you if if an artist never gets an opportunity they can never be anything and you've given so many artists opportunities. And it's just like, I think that's, that's so, I, I don't think you maybe even really understand how much you've contributed to the art, art scene in Cleveland. Or maybe you do, but I, I mean, just thought you should know I that. I have, but I mean, I'd like somebody to support me with my art. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. Well, that's what I say. And that's, dude, that, that's, that's what this is about, Michelle. Uh, this is right now, this is me and Brian's form of art and we're trying to bring you on and let you talk about your art. And that's, we want to help each other, man, help the people that have been helpful to everybody. All right. That's cool. Yeah. So it's like, you can come back on down the road too. Like I said, when you have painting stuff going on and when you have any of that stuff, we'd love for you to stop back and talk to us about it and tell us what's going on with you. All right. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for me, uh, Michelle, I appreciate your time and you coming on and telling these stories because they're iconic, whether you realize it or not. They're really, really cool stories um, to hear about these different people that have been in the city and and your interactions with them. I really enjoyed it. So I appreciate it. And Dave, I think you and I mentioned something about 
maybe talking about a lesson we're going to take away from every interaction we have with with a guest. Yeah. What would what would you say you took away from today's interaction or with well, today's? I'll, I'll tell you. What, what have I you learned, learned today? I, I'll tell you what I learned today. I learned that no matter how much you think you know about a thing, you don't know everything about it. Yeah. Because I actually did hear a couple of things today about that that building and the and and your interactions with people that I had never heard before. So that's really cool. You can always learn something new. Michelle, did you learn? Anything today, or are, are you at the same point you were at when you started today? No, I've, I've learned um, things that I need to re, re remember, you know. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I like so that. Re- and, and you I'm and you learned that you, that you don't have to do video, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do video with Zoom. Okay, and I think if, if I had to pick something I learned from today. I think it would be the mega death at, at the fantasy. I would have never guessed that in a million years. That was an extremely interesting story. And uh, that David Bowie is a cool person. I, I will take that away. I will believe Michelle on that one and say that I think you a cool person to me too. I believe that as well. Um, so with that being said, uh, until next time, we will talk to you later here from Cleveland Schwill. Thanks again, Michelle. Thanks, Dave. And I will see you next time. See you, Cleveland.